How y'all doing? Y'all good? I'm glad to be back here. I already preached one time, so I feel like I've already done what I need to do for the day. So, But I'm trying to ask the Lord, is the angel still in here? How many people believe the angels are real? Yeah. Well, there's an angel was in here earlier this morning, and uh, I think he might still be in here. Um, hey, how many people got, since I got a little bit more time, I won't wear you out, but how many people got a piece of... of uh, one of those cupcakes. Uh, what, the carrot cake? Carrot cake. Raise your hand. I want to see who got it. See, you ate a prophecy. You ate a prophecy. I'm telling you, you did. And this is interesting. When I, this, uh, this is a Paraguay. So I went to Paraguay. I shared this little thing about the three phases of revival. Okay? And I was talking to him about the second phase, you know, being when uh, this has come out of the the life of Elijah. Everybody should know about this three phase of Elijah, of a revival. This will help you. One phase is, is 1 Kings 17, Elijah at the brook. Okay? Elijah at the brook. That's phase one. is when God sends you to the brook and feeds you with the ravens from where? The sky, right? That's where you learn how to live out in the heavenly places. Okay? That's the first phase of revival. You know, that's when the river gets released and you learn how to live out of that place. The second phase, the Lord sends you to the church, okay? And the church was the widow, right? Elijah went to this widow who was, and Elijah, the Lord had sent her there because the brook dried up. You know, the Lord dries up things in your life sometimes. The, and um, so, but he does it to get you somewhere. He wants to send you somewhere. So he sent, he said, I'm, you know, he sent Elijah to the brook. I'm going to tell you this real quick because there's a reason for it. He sent it's the cupcakes. I'm telling you, it's the cupcakes. He sent. He told Elijah to go to the brook. He'd take care of him there because there was a famine in the land. Just if you don't know the story. So he went there, and the Lord took care of him. The ravens brought him meat from heaven. I imagine they were stealing it from kings' tables and dropping it off. So you know. Um, and then the brook dried up. So there'll be times when God dries up what He's doing with you. And he sends you somewhere, and he said, go to this widow in this certain place that starts with a Z, okay? And he said, huh? Jerapath, for people who know how to pronounce words. I don't. I'm, and I admit that. A lot of people won't admit to that. But anyways, except Christina Casperson, she will admit to being able to speak multiple languages, Okay? It's what she does is what she said last night. I speak many languages. She told me if a two-year-old can learn how to speak another language, I can. She was saying that to me because I was telling her how I couldn't learn how to speak another language. And she was saying a two-year-old can, so you, you, know, you should be. I got the message. You know. Yeah. It was. I was really encouraged. <laughs> Anyways. There was a widow there gathering up sticks, and Elijah said, give me something to eat. She said, I don't have anything to eat. In fact, I've got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Okay, that's the state of the church. we got a little bit, and I'm going to go fix this cake, and me and mine, we're going to eat it and die. And see, that's the sort of the state of the church before revival hits. i got a little bit, and I'm going to fix it for me and mine, and then we're going to die. Mm, right? A little bit of anointing, a little bit of flour. Well, Elijah said, fix me that cake and give it to me. Yeah, and she did. And he ate the cake. And he said, your cruise of oil or your bin of flour will not run out until this thing is over with. In other words, she tapped into a, to a heavenly 
source. And that's really what God wants us to do. That's what the revival is going to do for the church. He's going to tap us in. Uh, and then I'll tell you, the, the third phase is when Elijah was on Mount Carmel when he brought the fire down. Okay? Now, this is what somebody told me. I was just telling all my discouragement. And he said, this is what you have done wrong. You were at the brook, and you tried to go to the mountain. Okay? You skipped something. Because the world is not going to... The world has to be ready for the world revival. Before you can bring the fire down, God has to get them ready, and he has to get you ready, and he has to get the church ready. Do you see that? Well, anyways, that's another topic one day we'll talk about. That's a pretty good revelation, right? But anyways, uh, so I was sharing this, and this woman had brought a cake to this. This is in Paraguay. She had brought this cake. It was a carrot cake, like the carrot cake. We just, she brought a carrot cake, and she gave me a piece of this carrot cake because she heard I love carrot cake. And so I was eating the carrot cake. This is before I shared this, okay? And then at the end, she came out. She said, I got this word for you. And she said, you know that, what you were talking about, that cake? The Lord told me to bake a cake and bring it here. There was going to be a reason for this cake. And the Lord's saying, that story you told, that's for you. And God, I, she said, there's an expansion coming. There's a revival coming. Isn't that good? So I forgot about that word. I forgot, forgot completely about it until I went in there and I saw those carrot cake cupcakes. And it, well, I thought... Doggone it, I remember that word. I dag on, the Lord really wants to speak to us and encourage us. Amen. So if there's any of those carrot cake cupcakes, go get one. <laughs> They're good, too. <laughs> They're real good. So I ate a prophecy this morning. Amen. Ain't the Lord good? There's no accidents in God's uh, economy. Uh, anyways, we had a great time down there. It was, I've been down there four years in a row, and this was the best time yet. Okay, the best time but it was a little bit different than normal. Uh, <laughs> one of the things was different. You know, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to go down there and destroy my voice down there screaming and carrying on. You know, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to take care of myself. And so I wouldn't. And, but I get carried away when I start praying for people and I start screaming. So I didn't pray for nobody. <laughs> I did not pray for anybody until the last day and then I prayed for everybody which about killed me, but you know, about destroyed my voice, and it still messed up. But uh, when on the way down there, the Lord gave me a word on the airplane, and this is what the word was, expectation. Okay? Expectation. And I knew it was for them, but I also knew it was for us. Okay? Because, you know what expectation is? You know what happens when a woman's pregnant? What is a woman, when a woman's pregnant, what do they say? That she is expecting, I am expecting William Luke to be born any day now. My family is in an expecting mode because Kara is expecting. And we're going to have a, a new baby in the family, a new baby boy, the first babe, wicker boy, which is kind of important to me. You know, that's carrying the family name on, right? And when you get guys get older, you'll start thinking about stuff like that. When you're young, you think all this other stuff, but that's kind of the important stuff in life, really. <laughs> Anyways, the Lord started speaking to me about expectation. And so I shared a message on that and went up praying for people. And God really did something. But this thing was not about a good meeting. It was about fruit from a meeting. 
uh, this is what Larry, Larry Faldo sent me an email and told me when the people got back home, uh, their friends, co-workers, and family that didn't know the Lord started asking about the Lord and wanting to get saved. Isn't that powerful? Because there was a supernatural impartation that got on these people. This anointing got on them, and people were attracted to the anointing. And then there was one man named Reuben. He's this big old guy with a real large rear end. I mean, really, if you've seen that, that's what you would think. God, that guy's got a good big butt, man. He's a basketball player. You know, he's big. You know, basketball players have these big butts. They'll use them to butt you out of the key there. Well, that's the thing I think about Reuben. He's an awesome man. But this is what Reuben did. He got home, and there was somebody in the hospital, and he went to the hospital, and the person had spinal cancer and had these bleeding ulcers, was on oxygen, and basically had a death sentence on him. He prayed for him, and the man was completely doctor verified, 100% healed. It's a miracle. So that's really what... I'm not taking it. I didn't do anything. I mean, what I'm saying is that's the kind of thing that God is interested in doing is releasing, you know, anointing on people where there's a, it causes people to hunger to know the Lord and it releases the miraculous power of God for people who are, you know, in desperate need for the miracles of God. Amen? So <clears throat> that's what I wanted to talk to you about uh, this morning is expecting. I'm going to share a little bit of what I shared uh, because I believe God, this is not a word that was for South America, this is a word for the body of Christ. I believe everywhere. You know, if you go out of the country and get out of this atmosphere here and go into another country and then come back, you realize the atmosphere here is in trouble. We're in trouble. In our, you know, so we need something supernatural to happen for our nation. We need something supernatural. We don't need just a good plan. We need supernatural and God wants to release the supernatural. I wanted to, he wants to bring us and give us this expectation. He wants to cause us to be expecting. He wants to impregnate us. Okay, that's really what God wants to do. He wants to impregnate you and I with, with expectation. And where we are looking more to what God's going to do than what God did. That's really where God has brought us, where we have this expectancy about the future and about where, what God wants to do. And that's a very powerful thing to do. And we're no longer looking at what God did, as wonderful as it was, but we're expecting God to do something. Now, to be a person who's expectant, there is, it's a slippery slope at best to, go, to be expectant. Because a lot of people are sitting in this room right now who have had expectations that were not met in the Lord in the past. And it's hard to be expected again. It's like a woman who's had multiple miscarriages. You know what I'm saying? As soon as, at some point in their mind, they begin to lose the, the wherewithal to go through it again because of the pain and the disappointment and the loss and the sorrow that you go through when you have those kind of things because you had this wonderful... My daughter's had two miscarriage, two miscarriages. So it's hard. It's very hard on everybody around to go through that. And so, but see, most Christians are going to go through that. If my, I hate it, I shouldn't have said it this, but my thing is, is if that's you, the best advice I can give you is you just need to get over that because how are you going to live? Are you going to 
decide I'm going to be a barren Christian because God didn't do it. It didn't happen. And I got so disappointed and so discouraged because it didn't happen the way I thought or it didn't happen at all. So I'm going to live this barren life, never daring to dream, never daring to believe that God would do something for me and that God would impregnate me with hope and God would impregnate me with vision and calling and purpose and I would go after those things. So that's our choices as believers. We can choose. There's no in-between. You're either pregnant or you're not. There's no in-between on the, that, just like in the natural. Are y'all following me? So let me just give you the scripture uh, that really the Lord gave me about this. Hey, and you know the Lord gave me this scripture in a dream? Because I was saying, Lord, I need some scripture. He gave me the word expectation. Is there some biblical scripture they can at least... <laughs> Don't you love it? At least kind of be like that, Lord. You know, I got my concordance. I found a bunch of scriptures about birth and all that, but none of it was like, nah, 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 that's not it, that's not it. And then I had this dream, and the Lord spoke to me, Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, okay, above all that we ask or think. That's the Lord. That's how God operates. Listen to this, according to the power that works within us. The power that works within us. That's a powerful scripture to pray. If you will pray that, Lord, do above and beyond what I'm asking or saying. Do exceedingly, abundantly above all that I'm asking or saying, according to the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. If you'll begin to pray that, something will start happening in your life. I've been praying that for a long time, and stuff starts happening. You know, we've been regressed in this church, I hate to say. We're back to cords. You know, we're back to cords. We ain't te- we're not wireless no more. But it's not Jonathan's fault. He says it's our fault. He said we blew it up. So I want to really help you about expectation. I want to help you this morning, if you're a believer, to get pregnant. Okay? I'm serious. I want you to get pregnant. And I want you to come to a state of expectation in your life again because we, we're, we got to get where no longer we're thinking about, oh, man, the Holy Spirit, wasn't that great? Oh, that was so awesome. That was wonderful. No, that was, but what's in front is better. What's in front is better. And God is saying, I want you to expect something that's better than your best behind you. Amen? And so... This will, this will really help you. Now, let me give you this one scripture, which really, nobody probably really is into this scripture like I am, but I'm really into this scripture here, big time. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Don't you love the love chapter? When anybody says 1 Corinthians 13, we think about the love chapter. Okay, well, this is a really love verse. And this is what the Lord spoke. Now, the Lord spoke this love verse to me one day. This is what it was, verse 11. When I was a child, ladies and gentlemen, children are not supposed to have babies. That's the truth. They are not supposed to have babies. You know, it's sad when you see a a girl that's young, that's too young really to have a baby, because you think that child is having a child. That's not right. She needs to be still raised herself. So Paul was saying, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, 
Okay, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Every parent knows the difference between being childlike and childish, right? We do. We know the difference between the, when our children act and childish. God always wants us to be childlike in our faith forever. You know, we'll always be childlike in our faith, but God does not want us to be childish in our speaking, in our understanding, or in our thoughts. That's what, that's, this is how God pregnant, impregnates people, is if you back it up, you're, you speak because you have an understanding. You have an understanding because you have a thought. So a thought creates an understanding, which create, creates speaking, and speaking creates your world. Speaking releases out of you what God wants to do or what somebody else wants to do. Okay, so whatever you speak is going to govern your life. That's what uh, James 3 said. The tongue is a governor. I mean, it's like the, the thing on the ship, the, what do they call that thing? The rudder that turns the ship. So your life is turned by your tongue. I know a couple very powerful men. I mean, they have some real anointing and power and thing on them. But you know what? Their ministry is very limited to this very moment. Why? Because of their tongue. Because they're constantly saying stuff out of their mouth they shouldn't say. They're, they say angry things. They say sarcastic things. They talk about people. And because of it, they're creating this world. And so Paul was saying, that's, that's childish. He's saying, that's childish. And you had to put away those things, okay, and let a new thought come into you. And if you let a new thought come into you, that new thought will create an understanding in your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, you'll speak something that has real life on it. And you can begin to create a world around you. And so that's really how spiritually things are birthed. They're birthed by a thought or like a seed, uh, Mr. Lappin, right? A seed. A thought's like a seed. Jesus, you know, the sower went out to sow, you know, and he threw out this seed. You know, and you have these four types of ground. That's really what a thought is from heaven. It's just a seed that comes into you. And the seed comes up as the understanding, which is like the plant, and the fruit of it is the words of your mouth. Okay? And so that's really how when I talk about getting impregnated by God, God wants to impregnate you with a thought from heaven that will change your life. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, so I'm just going to get down here to this really good stuff. Okay? What God, uh, if you study the Bible, the Bible, (laughs) if you're from Jersey and you study the Bible... If you really look at the Bible, there's, a, there's these patterns in them. How many people love patterns? Don't you? I mean, do you look for patterns in things? I'm always looking for patterns. I'm a pattern person. I look through the Bible for patterns because there's patterns in there that really clues you in on things. Well, there's this one pattern in the Bible that you'll catch is that there's these three anointings that we'll go through in our life or three phases of ministry or three phases of calling that every person's going to really experience if we allow it. And that's really what uh, God wants to do in this time is He wants to, he wants to bring people into uh, either a new anointing or a new phase of their ministry that's already existing or maybe He wants to give them an anointing they never had before, a brand new anointing in their life. And so what you see, for instance, let me give you some examples. One is Jesus himself. If you think about Jesus, it was first Jesus of Nazareth, okay? Then it was Jesus Christ, and then it was the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So you see that? That was like three phases of his life, and you can clearly see that in the Bible. And, and each one of those phases have th- things associated with it. And so it's really important for us, if we're going to birth something, that we understand this, because a lot of people will miscarriage or abort what God is trying to do in their life because they don't understand how God is trying to work in their life. Okay? So this can really help you in this expectation thing. Because I don't want to just get you pregnant and then you don't know what you're doing. And then you go off and get all messed up and just abort everything that God's doing, trying to do. You know, you abort the baby or you miscarriage it by doing something you shouldn't be doing. Okay? Are y'all, are y'all tracking with this? I hope you are. All right. So, Paul, looking at Paul. Paul was another guy. Paul got uh, anointed by this guy, Ananias, right? That, is that how you say his name? People who know how to pronounce stuff. And these scales fell off. That was his first anointing. And it says Paul immediately began to preach the gospel. Okay? That's what it says about him. And he was pretty powerful in his preaching at that time. But he ran into trouble. In fact, he ran into so much trouble that the disciples took Paul and lowered him down a basket because he was causing havoc. And basically said, get out of town and let, you know, just leave, get away from us. You're, just, you're causing trouble. And they sent him off. And it, actually, the Bible actually says the churches, right after this happened, the churches had peace when they got Paul out of town. You see, Paul had come into his first anointing. And see, what happens a lot of times, here's, here's a, lot of, well, a lot of people don't want understand is when you begin to get anointed by the Lord, there's the first anointing, which would be like the family anointing. Is you're anointed around the people that you know, around the people that you're around, and that there's a con- there's conflict that that starts. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be rejection. You're going to get rejected. Things are not going to work out for you the way you think they should. Okay? And so, see, that's where a lot of people miss it with what God's trying to do in their life because there's rejection. Their ministry's not working. Nothing's going the way it's supposed to go. You know, even though they do have a true anointing from the Lord, nothing's working and nobody's receiving their ministry even. Okay? And so a lot of people at that point will get into this thing where they'll just quit. They'll, they'll, they will abort the mission. They will abort the calling. And so it's really important when you come into a new anointing on something that you realize this is part of the package. This is part of the birthing process. This is part of how, how the spiritual world works. And I need to not give up at this moment. I need to not quit just because things are not working. Okay? And then Paul went to the second phase of his anointing. Is years later down at uh, Antioch. You know, Barnabas was there. There was a move of the Lord at this church called Antioch. And Barnabas got in his mind Paul. And so he went down to Tarsus. Or over to Tarsus, up to Tarsus. Was it up? It was one of them. It was somewhere. He went and got Paul and brought him to uh, Antioch. And it says they were there, they were worshiping, blah, blah. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit says, you know, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, I'm, I'm setting them apart. That was Paul's second anointing. He got set apart and he got sent out from there on the first missionary journey. Well, that first missionary journey, Paul wasn't the main guy. Barnabas was. Okay? He was, he was being sent out with Barnabas. Barnabas was a leader. And they went and traveled around and preached some places. And then they came to this one particular island. And there was, uh, there was a sorcerer there. 
a wizard. And this wizard, this sorcerer, was very much influencing what was happening with the government, with the main people on that island. And so there was this showdown between Paul and this sorcerer. In other words, Paul called this sorcerer out on it because he realized this guy's hindering the gospel. So he called him out and faced him down and basically struck the guy blind. He said, you're going blind for a time. And, it's, and the Bible literally says a, man, a mist fell over him, and he had to have people leading him by the hand. Of course, at that point, everybody's listening to Paul. You know, like, oh, he struck this guy blind. This guy had a lot of power. Paul has beat him. What are you, we're going to listen to what you got to say. And the gospel got released. But from that point on, that was like Paul's third anointing, is that from that point on, Paul became the leader. He became the main focus. In fact, he became the main focus for the rest of the book of Acts. So he, so he had these three anointings. So you see, in every one of them, there was something that had to be dealt with. There's something that had to be overcome. There's some, something. So one anointing would be like a family anointing. The second anointing would be like a tribal, like a tribe of people, a group of people. Third anointing would be like a national or international. So you can go from having an anointing in your family to a bigger anointing like in churches or other churches or then a national or international anointing where God uses you in lots of places. That's just a way of looking at it. I mean, you can apply this to the business realm, any realm. Apply it to motherhood. Whatever you feel. But you see, you've got to understand, we're in a time, what I'm getting is we're in a time of new anointings. We're in a time where God wants to anoint people with fresh oil and bring them into something new. Well, one of the great examples of this in the Bible that's really clearly illustrated is David. I'm giving you three examples, okay? King David. Are y'all okay? King David, you know, uh, Saul made his thing, messed up. And so the Lord said, look, I'm taking the kingdom away from Saul. And I'm going to give it to somebody else. And it go to the house of Jesse. And the, king's gonna, the future king's going to be there and anoint this man king. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house. And he has the sons there. You know, they were like, come on. You know, Samuel the prophet's coming. There's going to be an anointing. One of my sons are going to be the king. And so he picks out, you know, the, the big guy, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. For y'all, he's not, he's a bad example. In my day, he was like the Austrian oak. I mean, he was a bodybuilder. I mean, he was 6'5 and had a 50-inch chest and 22-inch biceps. I mean, now he's just this old guy who's really gotten his life messed up. But <laughs> he don't look like the Austrian oak. But he, this guy looked great. I mean, he was an awesome-looking guy. And uh, the Lord said, no, nah, that's not really him. And so he went through all the sons of, of Jesse. And, you know, Samuel at that point was like, well, heck, you know, what's the deal? The Lord told me this, and there's no... Well, there's one more son, but since he, you know, obviously he's not a king, you know, so we didn't even ask him to come to lunch. You know, he's still out there taking care of the sheep and the back pasture where he needs to be. So they call him in, and they, Samuel anoints David as king. That's his first anointing, okay? Now, guess what happens? His brothers bow down to him. They give him a crown. They give him a, a throne. Everybody's worshiping. No. He, no. As a matter of fact, it was like a few weeks later... Hey, your brothers, get in here and take your lunch to your brothers. That was his daddy. Because they're out there in war and you're, you know, you need to take the lunch. Now here, 
I'm the king. Wait a minute. I'm the king. Somebody should be bringing lunch to me. I got the anointing. They didn't. Why am I having to do this? Can you imagine yourself doing that? Most of us would. Like, come on. You know, what's wrong with this picture? I'm the guy who's anointed. i got to carry my brother's lunch like some courier and find out how they're doing and bring it back to Dad and let him know. And This just ain't right. You don't really know what was going on. But so he gets there, and then his brothers start in on it because he starts asking, like, what's the deal here, man? You know, why is this guy doing this? And there his brothers jump all over him, says he's insolent. You know, you're just wrong, David. He's the king. You see what's going to happen to you? You see what the anointing is going to do to you, your life? People are going to turn against you. People are going to question you. Of course, we know that David killed the giant. And then we know he had a few years because at that point, not only his brothers despised him, the king was despising him because suddenly he was threatened because he heard these women singing this song. Like Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his ten thousands, was the number one hit of the day. And Saul's thinking, I've got to get rid of this guy because he is just going to, you know, he's taking off. I mean, he's got this anointing. He's being accelerated, and I've got to kill him. I've got to get him out of here or he's going to take over my spot. And so the king went after him for years and chased him and chased him and chased him. And ch- you know what? It's really important for us in that time. Um, you know, there was a time when David could have killed Saul. You know, when Saul was using the bathroom. Hey, he's up there in the toilet. Sneak in there in the back door and kill him because the Lord's put him, you know, the Lord has given you Saul into your hands, David. That's what his people were telling him. The Lord's done that. You can get him. And he went up there, and he snuck up behind Saul. Can you imagine <laughs> David like, oh, God. <laughs> cuts, his, cuts his thing off and runs out like, <sighs> Just kidding. Trying to wake you up. But, you know, you think that kind of stuff was, is real. I mean, you know, I mean, he's using the bathroom, and you're there. I mean, there's a thought that comes through your mind, you know. But he cuts a corner of his robe off just to sort of let him know, like messing with him, like I could, I could have got you, buddy. But then it says his heart smote him when he did that. Like, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do this. Okay? Because he said, you know, I know I've got to let the Lord bring me into this. No, I can't do it myself. I can't grab a hold of what God has for me. Because if, if I take it into my hands, I've got to keep it in my hands. If I take what God has for me and make it happen, I've got to keep making it happen and keep making it happen and keep it. And you don't want to do that, trust me. You'd rather the Lord do it. And then you can say, well, Lord, you did this. You need to keep it going because I ain't really got time to keep this thing going. And that's really what David's, you know, what he, some of the things he went through. He went through a lot of things. And then, uh, you know, the men of Judah recognized the anointing on David and said, and went to him. He didn't go to them. Like, hey, I'm your king, guys. Come on, don't you recognize me? I'm, I'm the man. They didn't, he didn't do that. They went to him and said, we know you're supposed to be the king. We see God's hand on your life. Be our king. And so that was his second anointing. And so that's really the way it's supposed to work is, you know, we have to be careful well, here's the way we have to do this. We have to recognize what God's doing and respond to that. 
Okay, instead of trying to do something and hope that God is in it. In other words, we need to pay attention. This is what God is doing. We're responding to what He's doing already. You know, instead of, hey, I've got this idea. I'm going to be an apostle. God, I've got this great idea. I'm going to be an apostle. How about that, Lord? You know, and get out and go out and try to be an apostle and get this, the devil just beats the fool out of you because cause you've opened yourself, you've made a, you've released something out of your mouth. Oh, he's an apostle. We better kill him because we hate apostles. The devil, we've got to get him. Well, you weren't an apostle anyway, and you're getting beat up for being one, drug around, and you know. All that kind of stuff really does happen. So we respond to what God is doing, and then it works like with David. And then so, and then, but there was still warfare going on between David's house and Saul's house. And Saul, at some point in there, he died. He got killed in battle. You know, David's weeping over the guy. And it says the the house of Saul grew weaker and the house of David grew stronger. Now this is over a period of time. And Saul's house grew weaker and weaker and weaker. And finally the rest of the Israel, the other uh, tribes said, David is the king. We agree. And went to him, went, again went to him and said, be our king. We want you to be our king. And he got his third anointing. And so you see in your life, that's sort of the way, do y'all see that picture? That, that's how what God wants to do in people. He wants to give us an expectation of a new anointing. Okay, he wants to give us an expectation. Maybe, maybe you've never had an anointing. And he's saying, this is, you're going to get an anointing. Or maybe you've been down there in level one for a long time now. And you were thinking, this is, nothing's working, Lord. I shared in the first service, like, I came to a point about the ministry. It's like, Lord, you know what? I have loved the ministry. I've really loved it. But it has never loved me. It doesn't like me. And I have chased this woman, and I'm tired of chasing her. I want her to chase me for a while. So if I'm going to do this, she's going to have to come to me and go after me because I'm quitting. I'm not going after her no more. Well, (laughs) that's the second, third, fourth woman. I got plows of women now in my life. You know, Becky, Grace, Heather, Kara, Emily, and Madeline. Then the the ministry woman. Okay? I'm just making that clear. You don't want to put that woman in front of these other women. Believe me, you're dead if you do that. There will be no anointing. Your anointing will be anointing for barrel. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to really let this anointing come to you. Okay? God really wants to anoint people, but we have to really understand where you're at in this thing so you can cooperate with what God's doing instead of aborting what God wants to do in your life. Or, or, letting, uh, or having a miscarriage by doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, and it causes the thing that God put in you. You're out here trying to be an apostle when he says, I called you to be an evangelist. Or you're trying to pastor when you're really an evangelist, whatever. And you're, and you're causing a miscarriage of the seed of God that he's putting in you, that's growing in you, you because you're trying to be something you can't be. And so what God wants to do this morning in this room, okay, there was this angel in this room, okay? And this angel had this, this canister in its hand, okay? And it had a handle on it. And it looked like, a, like, a, like some kind of 
pot, a metal pot is what it looked like. But it was full of oil. Okay? That's what I saw. And the oil is the anointing oil that God really wants to anoint people with fresh oil. And he wants to bring people into something greater than they've been in. And I think that's really what happened with those people down there is when we prayed for them to be anointed and they went home and they were just being who they normally were, they had people around them that were attracted. Not It wasn't them they were attracted to. It was this anointing that was on them. And they were interested in suddenly people who were not, had no interest whatsoever, suddenly they're interested in getting saved. Like, how do you get, well, tell me, you know, I want to get saved. How, how can I get saved? And this other guy, I've never heard of him praying and having miracles. Reuben, the big butt guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've never heard of that. But he, had this, he said when he walked in the, the, the hospital room, he felt this unusual presence of the Lord in there. An unusual presence. And the guy who were, that happened to, he got saved also because he didn't even know the Lord. This was an unbeliever that didn't even have any grid for God. As a matter of fact, now this is what Larry told me. The guy had went to a church, the guy who was sick, the guy healed, and was very turned off by all the church stuff. and was turned off by any of it. Healings, miracles, he just totally was turned off against it all, just didn't want anything to do with it. And he goes, and he's needing a hill, and he's needing a miracle. And this guy comes in there. He's got something on him from heaven. And he gets this miracle. That's pretty good. And so, but it's, it's us having to come to a place in our life again where we're expecting. To me, that's the key point. Can you come to a place in your life again where you begin to expect again in God? Where you can begin to say, I have some expectations and what happened in my heart is I realized, you know what? I got more expectations about what's in front of me than what's behind me. And I wasn't like that. I'm starting to have this expectation that God is going to do something. All right, this is one thing the Lord told me to, t to tell you about this anointing thing in that same dream when he gave me that. You know, the anointing is supernatural. Okay, it's a supernatural thing. It's not natural. And this is what the Lord was telling me, that's your only hope. Your only hope is supernatural. The hope for, for, for your nation is supernatural. You, you've got to go after supernatural. Okay? It doesn't matter if it's an offense to people. And people are turned off about the supernatural, and people don't like all that stuff, but you've got to do that, and you have to go, go after this anointing that's already in you. See, it's already in you. It says that in, in, in 1 John 2, that there's an anointing abiding inside of you. You've got to go, at, it's, it's, but it's in the supernatural realm on the inside of you. It's in that heavenly realm. It's in the uh, kingdom realm in you. Okay? And you've got to go after that. That's really where you've got to put your focus. And then he, this is the example the Lord gave me. He said, Billy Graham. Now, this is what the Lord told me in a dream. He told me to tell you this, okay? He said, Billy Graham had a tremendous anointing to preach the gospel of salvation. And that's why people got saved. It was the anointing. On Billy Graham. It wasn't his messages. It was his anointing. Okay? And so that's what we really need. We need that anointing. Because you know what? You can be the best preacher in America. If there's not an anointing on you, nothing supernatural is really going to happen. Or you can be the best musician, and nothing supernatural is going to happen. 
And so the Lord was, I mean, He was really telling me that, also tell, to tell you that, that we really have to go after this. Okay? And that God wants to, but you have to be willing to receive this. Okay? Now this is the key. You've got to receive to be expecting. Down there, it was easy. They were already, for some reason, I don't think I did anything down there to teach truth. I think I just went down there and they were already into that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's what God was doing. I just happened to be there and, you know, oh, well, if you want to, you can pray for them and act like you were involved in it. But God was already doing it, you know. He was already doing it. He was already saying to those people, it's a new time for you. The old is gone. The new has come. You've got to make a decision this morning about this. If you want to be expecting, you have to determine the old is gone in my life. I'm done with the old. The old's over, over with. I've got to come into the new now. Now, that's the truth. If that's how you're going to come into this anointing, that's where, if that angel will give you that if you have that kind of heart. If you don't have that kind of heart, it won't, you're not going to get it. Not, all right. That's the truth. I'm just telling you the way it works. All right, here's the other thing. If you don't have a revelation, are y'all okay? If you don't have a revelation about the Father, the Father's heart of love, the Father's heart of you being a son or a daughter, if if you're not operating in that on some level, now nobody's operating in it 100% that I know of. You know, everybody's at different levels. Some people are are at zero level. You don't really have a real revelation on that. You have a mind understanding but not a heart revelation. None of this is going to work. None of it. Zero. It will not work. I don't care. Forget calling. Forget anointing. Forget all that if you don't understand that you're a son or a daughter. It just doesn't work because you're going to always go back to being insecure. You're going to always go back to questions. You're going to always go back to this this point that you haven't got something settled between you and God the Father. You hear what I'm saying to you? Now, that's really important. But if you've got that settled... Because I thought it was interesting. Are y'all okay? I thought it was interesting. When I went down there, God did not talk to me about... He said zero to me about sonship, about the Father. Nothing. Everything He talked me about, about calling, about anointing, about destiny, about, about, about the vision, about the dream. Everything. He didn't talk to me about any of that. And usually I get... Because, in fact, I hear people, hey, that person needs a revelation of the Father. Well, somebody needs to pray for them because God ain't really got that anointing on me right now. But if he wants a revelation of calling, I've got that, I got that anointing working in my life right now. But if I can't have that anointing without having the, the sonship thing, you know what I'm saying? And that's really important. I want you to know that because that's like the basis of everything that we do in our life is that we do it out of knowing that we're a son or a daughter and that we are already secured and we already are settled. We already got the whole deal worked out between us and God. And then all this other stuff is just, well, that's what you do. That's what you do now. You do that. You go and do what his stuff. You go do his stuff, you know. And you're happy about it. And he's happy about it. And you're not always unstable in your mind about it and wondering like, you know, like Saul, the king, was very unstable and threatened by David. Well, if he had a revelation of sonship, he would be like, hey, cool. Come on, I need somebody to kill 10,000 people. I can say, you know, I'll get, do mine. You go do your 10,000. It's only going to help me. I mean, we can do this together. We'll do 11,000. Shoot, we'll go on up and we'll do a bunch of people. But see, because he didn't have that, it was a threat to him. He was threatened in his heart and he never could get there. Are y'all getting this? And see, God wants to anoint you with fresh oil this morning. If you want it.
Okay, if you want it, God is... And I, I believe something will happen to you because uh, I believe that angel's still in this room. He ain't... I, I really believe... I haven't really necessarily seen him, but I felt him during worship. I felt that presence that was not the Holy Spirit, but it was like an angel presence. And I was asking, have you left or not? Because if, le- if you have left, I'm not saying you're here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not doing that. But if you're here and you want to anoint people, then we will do that. Amen? So let's just wait a moment and just ask the Lord to help us. Are y'all good? Oh, Lord, thank you this morning for the oil of joy, the oil of joy that's on Jesus, that he's been anointed with the oil of joy above our fellows. Thank you for that, Lord, that Jesus has that anointing on his life, and, Lord, you want to share the joy. Woo, thank you, Lord. Jesus wants to share the joy. Isn't that a good news that Jesus wants to share the joy? He doesn't want us to live a life without the flow. He doesn't want us to live a life without that, that greasy thing, that supernatural thing on us that causes us to be able to function in this world and causes that attraction from lost people and people who have these needs. Mm. You know, that was another thing the Lord was telling me down there in South America. He said this. He said, Byron, I'm telling you, the hungry are coming. The needy are coming. The desperate are coming. They're coming. And I'm thinking, where are they coming to, Lord? (laughs) I mean, I hope they're not coming to me because I'm in trouble if they are. But if we have an anointing on us, we have what they need. Because, yeah, we can just release that anointing to them. That's the 10,000 on it. Yeah. You know, that was interesting. Can I tell you just one other little story? This is a Bob Jones story. This is good. Really good. Uh, Bob Jones uh, had these apostles to visit him. I'm talking about in the spirit realm. And they uh, wanted to know where the treasure was. The treasure. Where's the treasure, Bob? Where's the treasure hidden, Bob? And Bob told them, I think I know where the treasure is. Did I tell you all this story? I know where the treasure is. And he went, listen to this, he went to a pig pen and dug up a treasure chest. Okay? And there was 10,000 pieces of gold in the treasure chest. 10,000 pieces of gold. And this is what the Lord told him. The treasure is going to be those hungry and desperate, they're prodigals. You know, the prodigal was in the pink. Only Bob Jones could figure this out. I'm telling you, it's like, what? How'd you get it? Then he said, the 10,000 is the spirit of David. David has slain his 10,000. Isn't that powerful? And so uh, that's how I got on this little trail about David, actually, is when I heard him share that. It was like, wow. Yeah, right there. Yeah. So all those prodigal people that are in the pig pen right now, that's the treasure. They're the treasure. They're the treasure. They're the treasure in the field. They're the pearl of the great price. That's, that's who they are. That's what the treasure of the field and the pearl is. It's the people that God loves. It's not God. Y'all know that, right? Jesus is not the treasure hidden in the field, right? He's not. Jesus is not the pearl of the great price because... Let me tell you this. The reason he's not, because it says a man would sell everything he had to get those. We sold nothing to get Jesus. Right? 
we sold nothing, but he sold everything to get us. That's what that's telling us. See, if you start seeing that kind of stuff, it'll change your life. It really will. That God is looking at us like, you're the pearl of great price. I've sold everything to get that one pearl you. Ain't the Lord good? I mean, I love all that stuff. But anyways, here, let's go back to the angel. That's good, isn't it? It'll change your life. The angel wants to anoint people, you know, for the new anointing, the fresh anointing, the new calling, the new purpose, the new dream. Everybody say this. The old is gone. The new has come. And what we're going to do is we're going to step out of the old today into the new. Whatever the new is for every one of us. But corporately, I believe the church, it's time for this church to step out of, out of what was old. We've got to step out. We've got to move on. It's because, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. It has already happened. We have, the season has shifted. It's, it's changed. It's changed already. That's what I felt when I left. I came back and realized, oh my gosh, it's already happened. It's already, so I can choose to stay back there in something that doesn't exist, or I can make a choice to step in with God in my own life and just say this, Father, the old is gone in my life, the new has come. Amen. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes with this, but here's what we'll do. If you would like this, if you'd like to get this anointing, I got this anointing oil up here. We're going to put this on you for you to receive from the Lord. Amen. To receive anointing, a fresh anointing from heaven. Okay? And a fresh anointing to be pregnant. And an anointing not to miscarriage. Okay? Anointing not to commit abortion. And you know what? We can tell the devil this morning that he was not going to get to these babies. We can tell him, you're not getting to these babies. We can ask the Lord to put in our mouth the silver bridle to keep our mouth right, to keep, us, keep the devil away from us. So let's just let's cry out to the Lord a minute. And, I mean, because the Lord wants to just... Yeah, just release, Lord. Just release that fresh anointing. Yeah, Lord, just release it. Yes. New anointing, Lord. It's a new day of promotion. New day, Lord. New day, new day, new day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to do that for me. Woo! Yeah, keep praying. Yeah, keep on going. Keep on going after that. Keep on going after that. So we're going to start from, from the left side. And you can just walk by Byron over here and let Byron just touch you. Because the mic can't get all the way over there. So you, can, you might have to come and walk where Byron is. All right? Yeah, just keep on going after it. Keep on going after it. Just let your heart be before the Lord still. I'm going to tell you that angel's here. You feel that angel? There's a difference between that different angel presence and the Holy Spirit presence. Angels have a little bit of a different presence. You know, a different... And that angel is here to anoint us. I wanna, I'm trying to help you with your faith. Okay, I'm trying to help you get in a place where you can believe that God wants to do something for you and there'll be a shift in your life. There'll be a shift in your calling. There'll be a shift in your purposes. Something will come up for you. It'll go, you'll go up spiritually. And you, it really will. Now, it's gonna, there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen that's going to be kind of tough. I'll tell you one little thing that the Lord will do. For people who are married, this is one thing He'll do. He's call, he'll call you on the carpet about your marriage. 
I'm telling you, He will come after that. Okay, because here's the thing. God, you, you can't have a powerful anointing in your family, your, mother, your wife, your relationship with this person be off. It'll, it'll mess you up. It'll, it'll drag you down. It'll ruin you. And so he'll, you know, things like that, he'll begin to like put his finger in your face over it in a nice way. Like, you better fix that now. Because you've got to have anointing on you, and that anointing is going to bring some damage into your life if you don't fix these key things. So when the Lord begins to bring stuff to you, let it just go with it. Humble yourself and confess and repent to Him. Amen? And that's just one thing, Lord. Just come, Holy Spirit. Woo, yes, Lord. I'm all for what God wants to do. So I'm just going to put this on you. Now, this is all faith. Yeah, just get that anointing flowing. Jesus, thank you for that angel. Now, this, this, is nothing, this is nothing except a symbolic thing of what that angel is going to pour over you. When you come here, that angel is going to pour that oil from heaven on you. And some of you are actually going to feel it. It's going to feel warm to you. You're going to feel something wet on you. Some of you won't feel anything. It doesn't matter. Whether you feel it or not. It's nice to feel, but I like feelings, but I don't trust feelings always. I just go with by faith. Amen. So just come, Lord. We just, whoever wants to come, just come on. I'm going to put this, I'm just going to put it on your head and just release the power, the power of fresh anointing right now. In Jesus' name, Lord. Just anoint, Lord. Woo, yes. Thank you, Lord. Just release, God. Just release anointing for healing and miracles, God. Lord, just a fresh day, Lord. Just a fresh day, God. Just anoint us with fresh oil, Lord. The shepherd that comes and touches his people, Lord. That's what we need. We need you, Lord. And we want you to birth in us something. Something new, God. Something fresh, God. Let there be a new anointing come. A fresh anointing. A powerful anointing. Promotion from heaven. Just rain down. Pour down. That's right. Pour down. Yes, God. Pour down. That's good. <laughs> Woo, touch these minds.